What is going on, New York Rangers fans? And welcome to episode 84 of the New Ice City podcast. I'm your host, Vincent Mercogliano of the USA Today Network. And we are back for another episode with less than one week remaining until the regular season opener at home when the Rangers will be hosting the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's coming up on Tuesday. But until then, we have quite a few things to talk about, quite a few topics to hit on. And some of those conversations will be had with this week's guest. I think this is going to be the third year in a row that we've had this guest on in the preseason to sort of give us his idea of, of what he thinks of the team. And this is a guy that's been on hand for the vast majority of practices and, and games so far in the preseason. And that would be Joe Micheletti of MSG Network, the color analyst that many of you know very well, because I think he's been doing it for like 17 years. So very happy to have Joe on this week. And we will get to him in just a little while. The Rangers have five preseason games in the books with one more to go. That final game will be played Saturday night on Long Island against the Islanders. I will be making the trip out for that, maybe visiting one of my favorite Italian restaurants out there. That is to be determined, but I will definitely be there for the game. The The overview, I would say, of the first five games is that there were two pretty good ones in there. The first one for sure, and I know Gerard Gallant was also happy with the way that the Rangers played Friday against the Devils, but then there's been three that, that have been not so good, and, and Wednesday night definitely falls into the not-so-good category. The Rangers lose 5-4 to the Boston Bruins, but it was just it was just overall a sloppy game. Puck management wasn't good. The defense was very sloppy. The Rangers were supposed to have Igor Shosturkin in net that night. He ends up being a last-minute scratch because he was dealing with some kind of a stomach issue. Yaroslav Halak ends up playing instead. I did see Igor today and asked him how he was feeling, by the way. He said he's fine. He's, he practiced with the team on Thursday, so looks like he'll, he'll be good to go. Still not quite sure if the Rangers are going to want to play him Saturday or not. I, I think he's going to get at least a little bit of time, but Gerard Gallant said he would let us know that answer on Friday, but the game, as far as what we saw, the players who did play on Wednesday, it wasn't great. And Gerard Gallant came out after the game and was pretty brutally honest. He said the players on the roster bubble, quote, didn't do themselves any favors. So it was pretty clear with his tone after the game that even though it's preseason and you don't want to make too much of it, that he felt like a lot of guys weren't playing up to snuff. Now, the funny thing for me is during that game, and even a little bit prior to the game, I spent some time working on what will be our final roster and lineup projection going into the season. I wanted to put it out there before the final preseason game, before the weekend hits, and just give you guys a good idea of where I feel like things stand at different position battles, who might make the final few spots on the roster, and ultimately, what the lineup will look like on opening night. Now, I had written out these lines prior to the start of the game, and I you know, I watched the game, and I planned on maybe tweaking some things along as I watched. It had what we had seen for the most part throughout camp. That would be the kid line together, 
That would be Vitaly Kratsov on the second line with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek. That was the top line, obviously, with Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider with a little bit of a question mark at right wing. And I left the game that night, leaving that intact. But as I was driving home, and I'm thinking over what I had just watched, and I'm thinking about the post-game comments that Gerard Gallant made and his reaction, I'm starting to think to myself, you know what? I think he's going to shake things up. I don't think these lines are going to stick. So I get home, I end up opening the computer again and revamp some of it and change some things based on what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing and and what my gut feeling was in that moment. I'm glad I did because when I showed up for practice today on Thursday, a lot of the things that I thought would happen did happen. And that was the lines went back in the blender. We get there today and as I wrote, as I kind of saw coming and felt like would happen, one of those changes was Capo Caco moving up to the top line to play with Mika and Kreider. We had seen that for a few days during camp. We had seen that in their first preseason game together. Ultimately, Gallant went back to the kid line. But because of the issues that we were seeing with the other lines, I really started to feel strongly that that kid line was going to get broken up. So today's practice had Kako playing with Zabanajad and Kreider. I can run through the other line combinations that we saw because there were changes on pretty much every line. The second line still has Panarin and Trocek, but now Jimmy Vesey was skating in that right wing spot instead of Kratzoff at today's practice. The third line still has Alexi Lafreniere and Philip Hedl, but Barclay Goudreau was playing right wing on that former kid line in the spot that Kako used to occupy. And then the fourth line was Sammy Blay, Ryan Carpenter, and Ryan Reeves. Interestingly, Vitaly Kratsov was skating with the extra forwards today. He was skating with Dryden Hunt and Julian Gauthier, which are the only remaining forwards still in camp. The Rangers sent Gustav Rydal down to Hartford, so he has officially been cut from camp and will be playing for Hartford this season. And they also, it looks like, are getting ready to send Johnny Brodzinski on waivers. So the Rangers are down to just 26 players in camp right now. Those three extra forwards who were skating today, and of course the one who makes you raise your eyebrows the most is Vitaly Kratsov because he spent most of camp looking like he was going to be in the top six. And now today, at least based on what we saw, it looks like his lineup spot might be in jeopardy. Now, I don't want to jump to conclusions on that. I think what we saw today was just sort of a glimpse in time. These lines have changed almost daily throughout camp. So I wouldn't go hitting the panic button yet. But it was very clear based on what we've seen and based on what Gerard Gallant said last night, although almost more what he didn't say, because when Gallant was asked about Kratzoff postgame, he paused for a moment He clearly didn't want to only put the blame on Kratzoff, but he said, I didn't like the way we played tonight. Not just him, but I thought a lot of guys who are fighting for spots right now didn't play well. So he he clearly grouped Kratzoff in with those guys. I think he was trying to choose his words carefully, but I think all of us that were in the room with him when he gave that answer came away thinking, well, clearly he didn't like what he saw from Vitaly Kratzoff. And I do think While there have been moments and bright spots during camp 
at practice and in scrimmages. It hasn't been nearly consistent enough with Kratzoff. And I think in these preseason games, he looks tight to me. You know, we talked last week about how contrite he was and how he's being really careful about trying to say the right things and almost seems nervous given all that's gone on in the past about not screwing up this opportunity this time around. And I feel like he's playing like that. He just looks tentative. He looks out of sync. He he looks like he's not being very aggressive, whether it's passing the puck, chasing pucks down, or with his shot. He just doesn't look like he's playing with a whole lot of confidence right now. And as a result now, you have Kratzoff sliding down and now we don't really know what his spot is going to be. I, I do not think he's in any jeopardy of being sent to Hartford because in order for the Rangers to do that, they would have to put him on waivers. I would have to think that somebody out there would claim him. And so they're certainly not going to take that risk. But is he going to be the, in the lineup on opening night or not right now? That That is now a legitimate question that I have a feeling we might address more later on in the show. But all of these lineup changes that we're talking about, there are a lot of factors in play with all of them. To, to me, though, the crux of the issue comes down to the kid line. They've easily been the Rangers' best line in this preseason, just as they were in quite a few playoff games last spring. You can look at the stats. They certainly tell part of the story. I believe right now, if you look at Natural Stat Trick, they have the Rangers... Uh, I'm sorry, the kid line out shooting opponents in the preseason 19 to 8 right now. And the scoring chances, the high danger scoring chances are like 11 to 4. So clearly they are statistically generating quite a bit. You saw Kako score twice in that game on Wednesday. Lafreniere and Hedl also have points in this preseason. So all those guys, I think, have looked really good and look like they are definitely ready to be key contributors and take a step from where they were last season. And even beyond the stats, I think if you've watched them play, it looks like they're hounding pucks to me. It looks like they've been forechecking well. They're just really chasing down the play all over the ice very aggressively. It just looks like they have the confidence to pursue the puck in every situation. And then you look at some of the shifts that they've had. They've had some really long offensive zone possessions, which is always very encouraging to see. And then I touched on the scoring chances. They're generating quite a few of those as well. So the kid line, a a huge positive for the Rangers so far in this camp. The problem is the other lines have struggled. That Second line with Panarin, Trocek, and Kratzoff. While I did think they started camp pretty well, and I told you guys during those first few scrimmages, especially because of the way that Panarin was playing, I thought they looked in a lot of ways like the Rangers' best line for those first two or three days. But since then, you haven't seen that show back up, and you certainly haven't seen that in the preseason games. And then we've had this revolving door at right wing on the top line. So... I think the Rangers are faced with this question of do you keep the sure thing together in the kid line and then hope that the veterans in the top six will find their way? Or do you need to do something to spark the top six and that would be breaking up the kids, moving some of them up and sort of trying to provide a jolt for the top two lines, which which haven't looked great in this preseason? I believe that that is the debate that is going on 
behind closed doors with Gallant, with Chris Drury, with all the coaching staff and the powers that be at the MSG Training Center. Gallant himself said today that management wanted to see new line combinations, and that was part of the reason that he shook things up for Thursday's practice. So clearly, there are a lot of varying opinions right now, and Gallant said we're going to have to have hard conversations because I don't think that there is this overwhelming agreement or consensus as far as what the line should look like. And look, you can see it with the fans, the things that I've been hearing from you guys, the feedback I've been getting from you guys. Look at some of the mentions on some of these daily tweets where I'm putting out what the new lines are. There are so many different opinions out there. And the truth is, there's no definitive right answer. Now, I've written this before, and I very much, I think, harped on this over the summer. I believed coming into camp that both Lafreniere and Kako should be in the top six, that as much as you'd like to see the kid line stick together, that the best thing for the Rangers was going to be to elevate those two wingers in particular. That's partially because of their talent. Clearly, they are two of the four best wingers on the team right now. I would say it's hard to debate that the four best wingers on this team right now aren't Panarin, Kreider, Lafreniere, and Kako. And it's also partly to put more on their plates because they are at the stages in their career where it's time to ramp things up for them. If It's time to give them more responsibility. And my concern was if you played them on the third line, they wouldn't get quite as much minutes and quite as much situational usage in, in key situations that you'd like to see from guys who you're trying to develop as core members of your team. So for those reasons, I felt like Those guys should move up, and those reasons still hold water. I think that's all still legitimate, and that's why at this point I would lean toward breaking them up, and it seems like that's the way the Rangers are leaning. At the same time, listen, I get it. We've all watched the kid line lately. They've looked really, really good. So the the temptation to keep them together I also fully understand, which is why even though I'm leaning one way, I'm not going to sit here and pound the desk and tell you guys that I think it's my way or the highway that I'm absolutely right. I, I don't know if any of us can can predict what the solution to this problem would be that would work out the best. Ultimately, based on what we saw today and based on the impression that I told you guys I got from Gallant following that that Wednesday preseason game, I do think they're most likely to keep them apart. That means Kaka will play on the top line. I know last year Lafreniere spent more time on the top line than Kako, and a lot of us thought that that might be the arrangement to begin this season. But they have not done that at all during this camp. They've tried pretty much everybody else in that top line right wing spot. Sammy Blay, Barclay Gaudreau, Jimmy Vesey, and now they're back to Kako. But they have not given Lafreniere a look there. So it's pretty clear to me that Gallant's preference, if he's going to move one of those guys up, is Kako on the top line, which is fine. I, I think we've seen that work pretty well in the past. But I do wonder how sustainable Jimmy Vesey on the second line is. Now, Jimmy Vesey, to me, looks like he's almost certainly going to make this roster, and I do believe that he's earned that spot. But is the Rangers' best possible lineup? Does that have him on the second line? It feels like we're still dancing around moving Lafreniere to the right wing. I think a lot of people, myself included, feel that ultimately that's going to be what has to happen. 
So it's a little perplexing to me that the Rangers seem so reluctant to do it. Now, I may not be privy to certain information. It's possible that Lafreniere behind the scenes has said, listen, I'm much more comfortable on the left wing. If me playing on the third line means I can stay at left wing, I'd rather do that. I I can't sit here and rule that out. When I've asked Lafreniere about it, he said he's cool with it either way. So I'm taking him at his word. It seems like he'd be fine moving to the right side. And it just seems like if we're trying to put the be- the top six in the best position to succeed, moving him onto that line with Panarin and Trocek would make a lot of sense. Maybe they get to that, but right now, based on what we saw today, it does not look like they're ready to do that yet. Again, they had Lafreniere on the third line with Heedle and Goudreau. The, the truth is, this is all probably going to change multiple times over the course of the season. We've seen this before. The lines that we see on opening night It's not like those are written in stone. I don't think Gallant will be shy about changing things as needed over the course of the season. I also, as I've written a couple times now in this camp, feel that the real thing here might be that the Rangers are one piece short in their top nine, and that might not be something that's addressed until the trade deadline. So there might be this juggling going on for months, and then if they don't ultimately land on something that works, That'll be a target at the trade deadline. That is very much in the cards here as well. But for now, there's questions swirling, and this is kind of the main point of intrigue as we're getting ready to close up camp and open the new season. So going to put a bow on that conversation. We'll see if we get back around to it later on in the show. I have a feeling we'll talk a little bit with Joe about it as well. And that's why at this point, I want to get to our interview with Joe and pick his brain a little bit about what he's been seeing during this camp and maybe get some different perspective from him. So here, without further ado, is Joe Micheletti. Now let's welcome back an old friend of the show. That would be Joe Micheletti, who's also back for his 17th season in the Rangers booth on the MSG Network. Of course, he'll be alongside longtime play-by-play announcer Sam Rosen. The Rangers will wrap up their preseason against the Islanders on Saturday at 7 p.m. MSG will have that broadcast. And then their first regular season game won't be the opener on Tuesday. It'll be Thursday, October 13th, when they go on the road to take on Minnesota. That coverage gets underway at 7.30. So, Joe, pretty big intro for you there. I I hope you're feeling good and ready for the season. That was too much, Vince. That was too (laughs) much. By the way, and by the way, before we get get started, if I could. Yes, yes, go ahead. I just want I just want to say one thing. What you did last season uh, was just awesome. Uh, you kept growing your hair and growing your hair. And I know it got so long that you probably couldn't wait to at some point get rid of it. Uh, and you did it for all the right reasons. You had it cut you, in, a, in a professional manner that you were able to give uh, make, I don't know how many wigs you were able to make out of that, out of that crop you had, but to <laughs> donate it, you know, but to donate it to, uh, to people with cancer, uh, that was just awesome. And I want to just congratulate you and tell you how great that was. So way to go. I appreciate that, Joe. I had to deal with quite a few jokes at my expense in, in the meantime, sure. but yeah, all worth all it. In the yeah. Good for you. Nice. Going. I, I appreciate that, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. Well, sure. we'll, we'll you will let you do it next. Are you going to grow it out and try it now? Oh boy, it, mine is kind of sliding away. You know, <laughs> getting more and more difficult. I'm just trying to keep some on here. You know? I got you. I got you. All yeah. right, all right. Well, 
Let, let's dive into it because the season's almost here. Tuesday night, it opens up. I know first broadcast for you is Thursday night. Is from your perspective, just as far as you know, the preparation and the job and, and all the excitement, is is opening a new season, is it just as exciting for you every year? Or when the team has expectations and you feel like the team is going to be good, does that ramp it up even more for you? Yeah, I, I think it does, uh, Vince, because – you know, you come off a season that the Rangers had last year and, you know, there was so much talk at the beginning of the season. There, there wasn't a lot of pressure on this team with, with except uh, the pressure they put on themselves as a group and a coaching staff. And, um, you know, there were plenty of people that didn't think the Rangers were going to make the playoffs, let alone uh, go as far as they did. So uh, in proving so many people wrong, and I think in uh, the fact that, uh, they, they were able to really become a good team and from a team that was young, uh, new coaching staff, a lot of things going on four years without the playoffs, the whole thing. And I, I just think that what they did and the confidence that they now have from going through that experience and to see this group of young players that we've been talking about, right. For now, three, four years, you know, the draft picks, when are they coming to rebuild the whole thing and to see these kids grow up in front of our eyes in the playoffs and that experience that they had, and there's four five, six of them that went through that in the playoffs. And to see that not only did they not wilt, but they got better and stronger. And, and I'll even say that that final series against Tampa Bay, the youngest players on the team were their best players. And, and, and so now as we, as we move forward, you've got, you know, there's so much promise uh, because of that. And I think the other thing is that we got to be careful because, you know, the Rangers lost two top six forwards that were really good for them. And so now somebody else has to fill that void. Uh, Trocek of course comes in and replaces Strom and he's, he's without question a top six guy. And so, uh, but, but I just think with what the young kids went through, the fact that this team is, uh, it's really a good group of individuals that want to do nothing more than win. There's no selfishness on this team in any way. And that's all, that's all important. So long answer to that short question of yours. So I apologize for that, Vince, but I am, I'm excited uh, for this team. Uh, and, you know, there's no question they're going to have to work as hard as they did last year in order to get there. But if they stay healthy, this this team's got uh, a, a chance to do something really special, I think. And I'm sure, Joe, you feel like I feel. You, you talk about the, the feeling in the room and the individuals that they have in there. The chance for us to be back in the locker room this year and talk to mm -hmm. the guys and get a feel for the pulse of the team, You know, whether it's BSing with guys about what they're doing off the ice, talking about family, or talking hockey, which, which we do quite a bit of as well you feel like you have your finger on the pulse of the team much more right now, don't you? Yeah, it was, uh, it was difficult on everybody over the last uh, few years. And, you know, we, and, and I say that with the understanding of most people have it, you know, went through a lot more difficult times than, than we did. You know, we're talking about, you know, a job that we love and relationships that we have that got put on hold and it made it, uh, it made it more difficult for us to do the job as well as we want to do it. Um, and, and, and you're right. I mean, you have, you have great relationships with, with the players and, and I do, and it's, and it's, it's nice not only to talk hockey and, and what's happening, you know, current, but 
you know, the, the, we care about their families. We care about them as people. Um, and, and so, you know, we all miss that. And so, and I think, you know, the fans being able to come back last year in the building was, was huge for everybody. And so it, it looks like we're finally getting through, through this on just about, uh, on just about every front, but, you know, for a lot, a lot of people went through some really, really difficult times and, Ours, uh, yours and mine and the players wasn't quite as difficult as a lot of other people, but it's, it's nice that the, uh, it's nice that we can have that face to face again. Yeah, it's definitely been refreshing. And as you touched on, I think the quality of all of our work is going to be better for it. So that's an exciting thing for, for fans as well as we get into the new season and hopefully some of the stuff we'll be sharing with them. Now, Wednesday night's preseason game, that's the most recent one. They lost five, four to the Bruins, but it, it was sloppy. You know, Gerard Gallant after the game, you know, was pretty clear that he was not very happy about the way that the team played, especially some of the guys who are fighting for either spots in the lineup or or spots on the roster. Mm-hmm. Did you take anything big out of that game? I mean, how much stock do you put into what you're seeing in these preseason games? Um, not too much, but I, I think that for a coach uh, with a team that's coming off the season that they had, and the expectations that are now put on this team, they're, they're, they're playing with a different pressure uh, than they had last year. You know, this, this team now is not only are people thinking, uh, can they make the playoffs, but this, most people are thinking, how far are they going to go in the playoffs? And so that's a different pressure that they have. So when everything's always going, going well, when you're a coach, you look for an opportunity, a little window to open to really jump in and get your point across. And for Gerard Gallant, you know, he knows that, yes, it was a good season. A lot of positive things happened, but now teams are going to be ready to play the Rangers this year. And he knows that when he had this little opportunity after last night's game to say, wait a second, this is the kind of effort we're going to put in. You guys expect to win playing like this sloppy, bad, you know, uh, bad decisions with the puck. And what about you, uh, you group of three, four, five players that we have an eye on that uh, where there's an opening and you're fighting for a job? Is that what you're doing to win this, to try, to try and win this? So I, I think he, he just took this opportunity. And because he's, a, you know, he's an old school coach, he's been through all these preseason games and what you have to go through. And back in his day, in our day, I mean, there were a lot more preseason games. So it was much longer. And it was a grind. I mean, as a as a as a player that you knew you were going to make the team and play on the team, you couldn't wait for preseason games to be finished. You just couldn't wait. Get them over with, and let's get the season started. So, do I put a lot of uh, do I pay a lot of attention to these? Not as much as some people. And and I take last night's game. And do I worry about it for one instant? No, I don't, because I, I think this team's going to be real good. I love their leadership, and I think come Tuesday, you know, play one more game, uh, you know, they're going to be ready to go. And just, you know, just one more thing on, on, on players that have been around for a few years. You go into these games, and you don't look at these games as, as a, you know, as an individual game. You look at these groups of games uh, that you have to play. Six preseason games, you're going to play in three or four of those. And what you do is you slowly, you put a plan together so that you're playing your best hockey on Monday going into Tuesday. 
and that you're ready to go physically, mentally, uh, you've got all your timing down. So, so you know, you, you can't expect, and these players, again, it's, it's the preseason. They're not going to, you know, you're not going to see their best hockey in these preseason games. So, uh, so I don't, I don't, I have, I don't worry about, about them at all. And especially with the opponent that they've got on Tuesday, I think they'll come out flying and um, it'll be interesting to see with those, you know, those players that are fighting for jobs who ends up in the lineup on Tuesday. Yeah. And to your point, Joe, some of the veteran guys have said things along those lines to me where it's like, you know, we're working on specific things. In some instances, guys are trying to make sure they come in healthy. They don't risk injury. So that's why I do think you're right to to a point there about, you know, these guys that have been around and done that, you're not going to judge their performances a whole lot based on these games. But as you touched on as well, Gallant saw an opportunity and the result was one of the hardest practices, maybe the hardest practice of camp on Thursday and afterwards he joked when he was asked if he, you know, if he strategically maps out when he's going to have these hard practices, he said, the players pick the spots for me. So they, <laughs> yeah. they, they right. gave him, they gave him an opening last night by not playing well. And he took advantage of it by working yeah. them pretty hard on Thursday. So as far as the practices go, because, you know, the preseason games, everyone gets to see, but you and I get to get the privilege of watching a lot of these practices and the scrimmages and things like that. I have some specific questions for you, but open-ended I mean has anything jumped out to you about this camp has have have any players jumped out to you at this camp either in a positive or negative way that that are on your mind heading into the season I I keep thinking about about the young players I I really do Keandre Miller uh, came into camp about five pounds heavier than he was last year he's about 210 he still doesn't look and you see him in a t-shirt he doesn't look like he has any muscles on him and yet he's 210 pounds he's like a gazelle and uh, the experience that he had last year, he played what, over 25 minutes a game in the playoffs uh, and continued to improve as the playoffs went on. I think he's going to have a great year. I think Heedle is going to have a great year. Uh, the confidence that he has, and they're two different personalities, Miller and Heedle. You know, Heedle throughout the early part of his career, and he's still only, what, 22 years old? Throughout the early part of the, his, his career, he's been one of these young players that has kind of been dipping his toe in the water, you know, dipping his toe and kind of trying to, you know, uh, gauge the temperature of the water. Whereas there's some players that just dive in and go after it. It's just a matter of personality. It doesn't make one better than the other or different. than. So with, with Heedle, he has slowly gotten there. And I think in the playoffs this past season, I think he dove in and now he's not afraid what's in the water. He, he, he likes the temperature. Uh, you see him now, the way he plays, he gets the puck. He doesn't want to give it up. It's difficult for opponents to take it from him. You've talked to him, you know, and he's got a whole new, he's got a whole new confidence level to him. And when you have that and you say, just give me the puck. And then you have the talent that he's got. I, I think he's, I think he's due for an excellent year. So the players that stand out to me are Heedle and Capo Caco and Miller and, uh, and Lafreniere, you know, is, is looked really good because I think those are the keys to this team taking e- even another step. I think those are the players now that they, they got that experience last year in the playoffs, which is priceless. And now they're going to be the keys to, to just move on. And I think they're going to take a quantum leap in the way they play. And then of course, 
The other thing is we always keep our eyes on the goalie, right? And Igor looks like Igor from last year. So uh, I think it's all good. Yeah, I, I'm 100% on the same page with you there. The guys that have jumped out to me are are definitely the young players. Keandre, I, I wrote a story about him this week. I, I called a couple scouts. I talked to some teammates. Everybody is just raving about him right now. And I, I thought in some ways you could look at last year as a breakout season for him. But when you think about the physical tools that he has and the potential that he has, it seems like there's another level for him to get to. And in camp, mm-hmm. it looks it looks like he's poised to maybe do that this season. Ryan Reeves told me the other day that his hot take for the year is that Keandre is going to be one of the top 15 defensemen in the entire league. That's what Reeves said the other day. So, so I think a lot of people are looking at him right now as a guy. And you touched on the quote-unquote kid line. Now, the debate that's going on very much with Rangers fans right now, and I think also in the coaching room, is that kid line has been so impressive in the playoffs last year, and I think they've been the Rangers' best line in camp and in the preseason games. They certainly were that. They were the only really line that was driving driving the play much on Wednesday night. They've been so good together, but yet the top six still feels like they're kind of working things out and and they've got some pieces that they're trying to make fit. Where do you stand on this debate of keep the kids together because they have that chemistry versus maybe if you break them up and you move some of those guys into the top six and let them play with the Panarins and the Zabanajads, that it might ignite the top six and might be an opportunity that those guys have earned. Like where, where do you stand in that debate? Um, I, I stand this way. I, again, I don't, I don't worry about Kreider or Zabanajad or, or, or Panarin, um, or Trocek. I, I, I don't worry about them. They're, they're going to, they're going to find their game. They're going to, they're, they're good. They're really good players. And so, uh, that, that doesn't concern me. There's been some juggling on that right side that, that we've talked about. And for me personally, I'd like to see those three players stay together and I'd like to see because I think they need to find out. They need to find out about Kravtsov, right? They need to find out. I mean, everybody feels, and I and I'm I'm one of them. When you when you when you watch him play and his skill set and his size and and when he you know two years ago when he came up and played, you know you could tell that the defensive side of the game he was very astute, a really good defensive player, and understood that, and so he wasn't. He wasn't someone you could put on the ice and, and be afraid that he was going to make a bad defensive mistake or that you couldn't trust. I think that you need to find out where his game is and if he's ready for this. And so the best way to do that is you put him on the top, one of the top two lines with really good players and let him play and give him a chance. And uh, that would be me. Um, speaking and I don't know how they're going to do this or what they're going to do there because I, I think you just have to find out, you know, how good this kid's going to be or, or, or where, where his, where his level is right now. The, that other, you know, that, that same side, I don't think anybody's really taken it yet. I mean, Sammy Blay, we saw him last year, but he hasn't played in a year. You know, is he going to be the guy who's going to be able to fit in there? And I think they'll, they'll allow him to try and, play his way back into some kind of hockey shape, which, which, which he needs to do. But that, that's what I would do because I, I like, I like that young line. I mean, those, those, uh, they, they get out there, they generate, I mean, they've had the longest offensive zone shifts of, of any line throughout the preseason. And 
So I, I just, I would like to see them stay together. So we can say all this, talk about all this, but the bottom line is they got to win. So they got to win games, right? So they need, if they do that, they need to get off to a good start to allow those things to happen. But if it's not, if it's not working, you know, you're the head coach, you got to win games. You got, you got to, you got to, you got to move some players around. And, and by doing that, I think, I think that that certainly could work as well, because again, these young kids have confidence now and I think you can move them around and they're fine. Yeah. I, I think there's a very good chance that we're going to see a few different combinations in the regular season before they mm-hmm. really settle on what it's going to be. Obviously what we saw today is that Kako moved up to play with Kreider and Zabanajad, and they did break up the kids at least temporarily. We'll see how long that sticks. That might've been part of this little wake up call that I think he was, he was going for today, but the, the options are interesting. And I think that's kind of the main point of intrigue right now for the fans. Last thing I'll ask you about, Joe, because we touched on being back in the locker room and getting a feel for these things. Your impressions of Jacob Truba now that the C is on his chest. And I mean, for me, the difference first year, my his first year here was also my first year on the beat. And he's talked about it and admitted that, that he was tentative. And I think it took him a little while to get comfortable in his surroundings. The guy that he is around the team and in the locker room today versus then is it's a stark difference to me. Yeah. But but how do you how do you sense that he's fitting into that role and, and how do you see him kind of interacting with the guys and playing in the room? Well, I, I think they picked the right person first of all uh, to be the captain, and you know, and we even even you know the last couple of years, Vince, and you know this when we haven't been able to get in the locker room, and uh, but there was enough chatter, there was enough. Um, uh, just just enough uh, talk going around that Jacob Truba was really the guy. You know, we know Chris Kreider's been around for a long time, and he has leadership skills, and so does Mika. And you know, there's other players that have those, and certainly Barkley Goodrove coming over. But you kept hearing of Jacob Truba's name as the one that not only on the ice the way he played but his role off the ice and how he perceived himself and what he should do to benefit the team. So I think he's a natural leader. Um, I know he's working hard to even improve in that area. I think the one thing he knows, he's not going to change his personality now that he's got the, the C on his, on his jersey. And so I, I just think that, uh, that, he, that, he was, that he's ready for this. A lot of players, it's difficult to be the captain of the New York Rangers. He's ready for this. And, and I think he's got some natural, natural ability in that area. And I, I just don't think it's going to be too much for him. Great, great. Joe, well, I can't tell you how much we appreciate the time. Uh, this is sort of a tradition now. I think we've done this <laughs> yeah. three, three preseasons in a row. I think we've done this. So we'll, right. we'll, put, we'll put you on the books for next year as well. I'll definitely see you around the rink and at the garden. It's fun. I'm excited. I can tell you're excited as well. And we'll, uh, we'll definitely be listening as I'm sure many of the people who listen to this podcast will for all the broadcasts this season. So thanks again. I appreciate it. Hey Vince, it's always, a, it's a pleasure. It really is. It's fun uh, to do this with you. And I'll look forward to next year as well. Thanks for having me. And we're back. Appreciate Joe coming on the show as always. 
Joe is really, really an awesome guy. I promise I'm not just saying that because he came on my podcast. He has been welcoming from the beginning since I came on the beat. I think I've told you guys that before. Just a pleasure to be around. A little bit of a prankster. Definitely keeps things light and fun around the rink, but also has just been a really genuinely nice guy to a young reporter, and it's very much appreciated on my end. So with that, let's get into today's round of questions. And there's a lot. You guys are buzzing a bit today, especially given the news with the line changes. And as I scrolled through, it became pretty obvious that the most commonly asked question revolved around Vitaly Kratsov. What does this mean for him now that we saw him demoted essentially to the fifth line for Thursday's practice? I talked a bit about him in the opening segment of the show, so I don't want to go too deep, but I do want to quickly maybe address some things that we didn't hit on in the beginning because this seems to be such a topic of interest for you guys right now. As I said earlier, just because he's on the quote-unquote fifth line today, I don't think that means that we should rule him out for the opening night lineup. I think he's going to get a chance to play on Saturday against the Islanders. Like I said, the Rangers are down to 26 players right now. So 20 of those guys are going to have to play. And I would imagine the guys who are sort of up in the air right now as far as are they going to make the roster or are they going to make the lineup, those guys will get a chance to to prove themselves one final time before the final decisions are made. To me, Kratzoff, pretty much no risk of him getting cut or demoted to the AHL. The Rangers aren't going to run that risk now that he would have to clear waivers. Would I be shocked if he was a healthy scratch on opening night or at any point this season? No, I wouldn't. It's pretty clear that Gerard Gallant is not thrilled with what he's been seeing from him. I don't know if today was meant to be a message, a wake-up call, or anything like that, but certainly it opened some eyes and got the point across that they want to see more out of him, that he needs to be better. But in the long run, especially prior to the trade deadline or prior to the Rangers making any other moves that would bolster the lineup, I'm still of the position that they need Kratzoff to play somewhere in the top nine for them to have success this season. And he, he obviously needs to play well. He shouldn't just be gifted that spot. I can totally understand that line of thinking. But if you look at the way that this roster is constructed right now, even if we're counting Kratzoff as a top nine piece for them, you could still argue they're one piece short because the, the ninth guy, if you want to call it that, in this camp has sort of been this rotation of Sammy Blay, then Barclay Gaudreau, and now Jimmy Vesey. Now, could those guys be effective in a third line role? Potentially, yes. Should any of them be in your top six? I think definitely no. But even if one of those guys steps up and and is good in your top nine, and I don't want to diminish that those guys can play in the top nine. I mean, Barclay Gaudreau was a top nine forward for a team that won back-to-back Stanley Cup championships. So it's not that you can't have a good team if he's on your third line. But even if we say Gaudreau is going to fill a spot there or VC is going to fill a spot there or Blay, you still need one other guy. 
And Kratsov to me has to be that guy. And the Rangers have really banked on that in a lot of respects. They need guys, as we've talked about before, who are on cheap contracts like Kratsov right now, given their salary cap situation. And by not going out and acquiring another winger really beyond VC this offseason, they sort of put their eggs in that Kratsov basket, expecting slash hoping that he can fill that void for them. Now, inserting him right into the top six, as we saw at the beginning of camp, was a surprise to me. It, it really was. We talked about it before that the top four wingers on this team clearly are Panarin, Kreider, Lafreniere, Kako. Kratzoff, putting him in the top six, I don't want to call it a gift, but it's a little bit of a leap of faith for a guy who is still going to be a rookie this season and has never come close to playing a full NHL season. There's still a lot to prove there. My expectation was that they would start him on the third line. He obviously isn't a fourth line type of player, but that they would start him on the third line. And if he did well there, then maybe you consider moving him up. Now, the chance to play with Panarin, as far as sending a message to him that we believe in you, we want to give you a real opportunity, it had to feel good for him to come out on the first day of camp and be playing on the same line with arguably the Rangers' best player. So you were kind of hoping and thinking at that point, well, maybe he'll take this opportunity and run with it. He hasn't quite done that. So I think looking at him maybe more in a third line type of spot to open the season seems like the logical way to go. If they scratch him, what will that mean? Well, that's going to be the million dollar question that has not gone well for them in the past. Although to be clear in the past, It wasn't a matter of being scratched. It was a matter of being demoted to the minors that ultimately led to him going back to Russia last year. But even a scratch, that would certainly test the relationship and where Kratzoff and the Rangers are at as far as their faith in one another at this point. Now, I did get a chance to chat with Kratzoff a little bit today in the locker room after practice. He seemed to be in pretty good spirits to me. I don't think he's taking this too hard at this point. He's seen now throughout the course of camp that the lines are changing almost every day. But a message was definitely sent with this move that you got to step up your game, kid. And so we'll see how he responds to that. I see some questions in here with people wanting to know, is he going to be in the opening night lineup? Again, it's, it's really hard to say right now. My gut feeling would be yes. But would it shock me if Jimmy Vesey is in the lineup? Kratzoff is scratched for a little while and has to wait a little bit longer to get his opportunity? No, crazier things have happened. Again, you just hope that if that happens, everything is properly communicated to him and that he doesn't take it poorly and that they're able to use it constructively and not let the situation deteriorate in the way that it did last season. But I still think especially if he has a good game on Saturday, that they'll find a way to get him in in that lineup on opening night. But if he has a, a dud performance on Saturday and VC keeps playing well or Goudreau they feel good about in that third line right wing spot, you know, crazier things have happened. So we'll see how it plays out. I wouldn't go and, and start expecting the worst 
quite yet. I don't think he's packing up his bags and planning to leave anytime soon. That is certainly not the impression that I got in chatting with him for a few minutes today. But it's clear to everybody that the camp has not gone according to plan and that the Rangers are looking for him to play better before they really hand him a spot. All right, let's get to a couple questions here about the bottom of the roster, especially the forwards. We have Rick Robinson who wrote, what happened to Hunt and or Gautier if VC makes the team? Would they clear waivers? And we also have Michael Lacala who wrote, one, assuming VC gets a spot, do you think Carpenter gets the nod over Gautier? He thinks Gautier has looked better in his opinion. And he also asked, do I have a sense that the Rangers are poised for any trade prior to final cut? So kind of going to group all those questions into one and give you guys my thoughts on these final few roster spots for the forwards. We've talked before about how I think the Rangers will carry 13 forwards instead of 14. Chris Drury and Gerard Glenn have both said that that's an idea that they're entertaining and have talked about. The salary cap benefits from that are hard to ignore. The the less cap space, or I'm sorry, the more cap space that they have to begin the season, really the more cap space that they have each day means the more that they can accrue going into the trade deadline. And if they start with my projection of about $930,000 in cap space, they can get that up to four or $5 million by the trade deadline, which would give them enough room to add an impact piece. That is definitely something that they're talking about and will be a priority. If they kept 23, meaning 14 forwards, then they'd only be looking at less than $200,000 in cap space, and it would make it much more difficult to accrue the kind of cap space that they need to make a move at the trade deadline. With all that being said, somebody asked me this question today, and it's valid. Could they, at least temporarily, for like a week or two to start the season, could they go with 23 and carry 14 forwards and then see if maybe in the first couple weeks of the season it sorts itself out, whether somebody gets injured or somebody isn't playing well, whatever. Will they maybe protect their depth early on by going with 23 and then later on, dropping down to 22. They couldn't do that for very long, but maybe they could maybe they could handle it for a few weeks and still feel pretty good about their ability to accrue cap space. I wouldn't rule that out. And if they carry 14 forwards, that would open up one more spot, but I have been proceeding with the assumption that it will be 13. And the move today to send Gustav Rydal down to the AHL makes it pretty clear that of those 13 forwards, one of them is going to be Ryan Carpenter because he's pretty much the only guy who's on the bubble left that plays center. And I absolutely believe, even though Barclay Gaudreau could technically be your fourth line center, I absolutely believe that they're going to want to keep another center on the roster. And it looks very much like Carpenter is going to be that guy. So I don't, I wouldn't look at it as Carpenter versus Gautier. It was really Carpenter versus Rydal. And Carpenter is going to be the guy who sticks now. We know that for sure. So then the final spot. All signs are pointing to Jimmy Vesey being the 13th forward, maybe being in the lineup, but definitely being a guy who makes the team. I would be very, very surprised at this point if that doesn't happen. And what does that mean for Hunt and Gautier? 
Well, it means that they're probably going to have to get placed on waivers unless Chris Drury can find a trade partner. And if you're talking about potential trades before final cuts are made, those are the guys that I would be looking at. Is there a team out there that will give you a draft pick to get either Dryden Hunt, Julian Gauthier, or even Libor Hayek? If Drury can pull that off at this stage, I think he probably will. But you know a lot of those teams are aware of the situation, and they're probably thinking in the back of their minds, why would I trade for these guys when I can just get them on waivers in a few days? So that's why I think a trade is kind of unlikely. I wouldn't rule it out, but but definitely more on the unlikely side. And then you put those guys on waivers and you hold your breath and you see what happens. If the Rangers decide to carry 23 men and 14 forwards, I think the extra forward who will end up staying is probably Dryden Hunt. They really like him. I know Gerard Gallant really likes him. And so I think they'd ideally like to keep him if they can. They value his speed and his forechecking in particular. But Jimmy Vesey has outplayed him in this camp. Jimmy Vesey kills penalties, which Dryden Hunt does not. And that's why if you have to pick one or the other, I think right now they're going to pick Vesey. So that, that would be where I stand on that situation. Finally, one last question. He DM'd me this question. I told him I would address it at some point on the show. This one comes from Big Lou, who basically wants to know, can we afford Patrick Kane, who, of course, has been linked with the Rangers, it seems like, all summer long now. It's That is definitely the hot name as far as guys that the Rangers might target at the trade deadline. And then Lou wants to know, could they afford him first this year and or beyond this year? So here's what I'll tell you, Lou, about this one. I'm going to try to make this kind of quick. We've talked about the need to potentially acquire a top nine forward and how We'll get a clearer picture of that over the course of the season. But right now, you can read the tea leaves and say, okay, that might be something they want to address, particularly at right wing. Kane, if he's available, would probably be one of the better right wingers on the market. So I am not of the belief that the Rangers are solely focused on him. I think that they, as they have done repeatedly, and especially as we saw them do at the trade deadline last year are going to explore a lot of different options. We'll see how the market materializes. A lot of this is going to depend on which teams are in the playoff race, which teams aren't. But if Kane is on that right wing list, I would definitely think the Rangers would have some interest and would look into it. Again, I think they'd probably look into a lot of guys, but we're talking specifically about him. The key in this deal is Because he makes, I want to say, $9 million. Let me look this up really quickly on cap friendly. Because of that salary, we know the Rangers can't take on all of it. On the high end, if we talk about the accrual process, if they can get to four or five million, that would probably be the best case scenario for them. And so that would mean Kane, who actually makes $10.5 million. That would mean half of his salary would be 5.25. That's going to be a stretch, let me tell you, for the Rangers to get to 5.25. The projection is more like four. They could maybe find little ways to shave by sending guys down to the minors on off days, and maybe they can get themselves up to five, maybe even 5.25. Squeezing him in this season would be really, really tough, but 
maybe it could be doable. I wouldn't rule it out. And again, there could be a fit there based on what we're seeing with the top nine. Beyond this season, though, that is pretty much a no-go as far as I'm concerned. The Rangers are really tight on salary cap space right now. It is going to be even tighter next year. We've talked about this a little bit, and we have a lot of time to get to it in the future. But the salary cap is only going up by $1 million next year to 83.5. Some people have pointed out to me, they go on cap friendly and you look at cap friendly and cap friendly says, well, the Rangers only have $65 million on the books for next year. So they're going to have like $18.5 million in cap space. Well, yeah, $18.5 million sounds great, but you have to look at the full picture here. That's only with 11 players under contract for next year. So they basically are going to need to sign another 10 or 11 players with that 18 and a half million. And when you look at the guys whose contracts are coming up, we just talked about Keandre Miller. And I certainly don't think if he has the kind of year that we think he's going to have, that he's going to come cheap. Alexi Lafreniere, what is it going to cost to retain him? Those are the two big names, Miller and Lafreniere, and it's really hard to predict what they're going to cost right now. But even on the low end, you have to figure that you're carving out at least eight to 10 million for those two guys combined. So that right there eats up potentially half of your cap space. And then you still have to fill out like another eight or nine spots on the roster. And on top of those guys being free agents, you also have Philip Heedle, who's going to be an RFA with arbitration rights. Sammy Blaze contract is expiring. Are you going to keep him? Zach Jones is going to be a restricted agent for the first time. Vitaly Kratsov is another one. So there's there's a lot of different guys here that are going to be due for raises that are going to be coming up on new contracts. And then beyond that, what other areas are the Rangers looking to improve in? So no, I do not think by any stretch of the imagination, they are going to be able to afford a player of Patrick Kane's caliber next season or really for a few seasons after this, unless all of a sudden Kane turns around and says, hey, I'll take the veterans minimum, which for a guy who makes 10 and a half right now, I certainly don't think that that's going to happen. So anybody that they acquire at this trade deadline, I believe will be very similar to what we saw last year. And what did we see last year? We saw rentals. I think pretty much any move that the Rangers make at this upcoming trade deadline is going to have to be a guy on an expiring contract. And in all likelihood, whoever that player is won't be able to stick around unless they come cheap. So Kane this year, maybe if you could stretch and accrue cap space and find little ways to add as much as you can, maybe possibly if Chicago will retain half his salary, you could make that work. It's certainly not a given, but you can try. But beyond this season, I don't see any way that they could give him an extension or anything like that. It seems like an impossibility at least as far as I can tell. So that is it for that. We are going to save the trade deadline conversation for maybe another week. We are going to right now turn our attention to opening night at Madison Square Garden on Tuesday. We won't have a podcast before that. We will have a podcast reacting to opening night that I'll be recording next Wednesday. So this is the final podcast before we start the regular season. It's, it's here, people. It's happening. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're about to start 82 games with game number one. So long way to go. A lot of stuff to happen. There will be plenty to talk about throughout the year. 
I look forward to it. Again, we'll be back with a new podcast next Thursday. Until then, enjoy it. Get all that gear ready. Figure out what you're going to do for opening night. There's also going to be playoff baseball going on that night. So I hope you could maybe find a place with multiple TVs going on. Maybe have a couple brewskis, have some good food. It's going to be a really exciting time for sports in the next few weeks for sure. So enjoy it, everybody. And I will talk to you next week.